time for sermon, go deeper in the word. Might surprise you a little bit. We're going to go to Psalm 118. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock, our crucified, risen, reigning, soon coming again, redeemer. It's all about you. We glorify your name now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the season of Easter right now, obviously. I don't know, maybe not to everyone. Jesus, when he uh, rose from the grave, didn't just trot around town, show himself uh, to a number of different people in a certain day, and then boom, went up to the Father. He stayed for weeks and continued to show himself alive to over 500 disciples and followers so that he could build up their faith. I mean, they needed a radical boost, right? They had a radical kick in the gut with Jesus dying on the cross. So they needed a radical boost of encouragement that he really was alive. So he did that for weeks and weeks. And so we have the same Easter season mapped out in our, our church here. So for a number of Sundays going forward, we're going to keep on rejoicing that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Now, you might expect us to be in the New Testament, you know, where the Gospels and all those wonderful accounts of Jesus' resurrection and so forth, and we do that a lot. But today, we're going to go to the Old Testament. Why would we do that? Well, the Lord wants you to see the resurrection of his, his son Jesus planned for in the Old Testament, celebrated in the Old Testament, prophesied in the Old Testament, and laid out with gospel power for us New Testament believers, all this time in one psalm, Psalm 118. So go there with me, Psalm 118. I'm going to pick it up just right at the beginning at verse 1. This is a special psalm. It's, it's one of the Hallels. There are five or six psalms that Jewish families, individuals too, at Passover time, when they're eating the Passover meal afterwards, they sing these psalms all in succession. And this is one of those Hallel psalms. This one is sung after the Passover meal is done. So one of the things, we really can't do this without, if we were in a Bible study setting, we could spend two or three hours carefully going through this verse by verse, sentence by sentence, and just um, going deep with, and I love to do this. What would, when Jesus was singing this psalm with the disciples, probably on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, how was this psalm encouraging him? How was it his own words um, to the Father? It's, it's fascinating in that regard. So I'm going to try and do that a little bit as we go through it. There's going to be times, this psalm is kind of conversational within itself. There's times when it's really obvious that Jesus could be saying this. Other times when it's obvious that it's, it's us who are speaking in the conversation with him. Sometimes our voices are joined together. So let's dive into it, see what God has for us here. Verse 1, Psalm 118. I'm going to warn you, I, don't, I hope I don't bust out in too many songs, but this psalm has been the foundation for many, many worship songs. And sometimes when I'm reading through it, the songs just pop and you, and you want to sing them, right? So I'll try not to do that too much. The very first verse is one where we could bust out. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, if you're Jesus and you're on the way out from the, the Passover meal of the disciples, you're on the way to the cross, 
This is a great place to start. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus is gonna be depending on God's steadfast love. How about you and I? Um, yeah. We don't welcome crisis times. We don't look for them. We don't ask for them in a sense. But they really prove the faithfulness of our God, the enduring nature of his love, and how powerful and wonderful it is for us to be able to rely on him. Verse 2. This is more from our perspective. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. So let the whole nation say that. And he says, let the house of Aaron, the priests, say his steadfast love endures forever. Well, how about the rest of us? That's covered too. Let those who fear the Lord all over the world, Jews, Gentiles alike, let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Now this next section would be um, especially Jesus. It could be for us too. It talks about a time of distress. Well, Jesus going to the cross has to be a time of distress, amen? Um, but for some of us, many of us, this COVID thing is, is causing and precipitating a lot of distress. So it can be either way and both. But verse 5, out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. This is big stuff. Whether you're Jesus going to the cross or whether it's for us right now going through a particularly difficult time, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. You can go to Isaiah 43, and God will give you three different promises in that passages, passage, basically saying whatever you go through, whether it's fire or uh, raging, flooding rivers, whatever you go through, God promises, I'll be with you. I won't let it overwhelm you and I'll bring you out the other side. That goes right in line with this here. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, if you're Jesus, that's a serious question on the way to the cross. What is man going to do to him? Falsely arrest him? Falsely convict him? Lie about him? Mock him? Beat on him? Spit on him? Flog him within hours, you know, within moments of dying? crucify him. Man can do an awful lot. But the question here is really takes us to God's eternal perspective. The worst that humankind can do to you or me is to take my life. That's the worst they can do. But I've got Jesus Christ, and oh, there's, there's something he did after he died on the cross. Let's see. Christ is risen. Because he lives, I too will rise to life. So what, literally, what can man do to me? The, the biggest fear, the, the worst thing anybody could do to me is take my life. God wins. I win. That's an eternal perspective we need to grab onto and hang onto more and more, folks, especially in this day. Verse 7, the Lord is on my side as my helper. How many of us need an extra, extra wonderful, present, strong helper nowadays? He's right there. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, I don't know how much that connects for us. We're supposed to love even our enemies, right? Work on that, ask for Jesus' help. Those who hate me, we're going to look in triumph, folks, one day on the devil himself and all of his servants. Um, we're going to look in triumph. Now, us, especially, verse 8, our perspective. It's better for us to take refuge in the Lord 
than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So when you put those together, he's saying, um, whether it's a humble guy out in the woods or the king on his throne over the whole nation, you're still better off to trust God than to place your trust in human being. Because not, not that we're all evil and wicked and so forth in that regard, but that um, we're all human and we're all going to fail others at different times in life. You can't put all your trust in a human being or you're going to regret it. Verse 10 now is really from Jesus' perspective on the cross. Could be for us too. Could be for a king like of Israel or something, but especially for Jesus. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. First time he says it. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. So a fire among thorns, the thorns burn really quickly. Just flame goes right through them. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off three times. So when, especially in the Old Testament, uh, when the Jews declare something three times, that means in their own minds, they're saying, this goes on forever and ever. So holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His holiness goes on forever. Three times, I cut them off. That means I was successful in cutting off their bonds from me. Uh, I had triumph and victory in that regard. I love this verse 13. If you're Jesus on the way to the cross, think about this. I was pushed hard. And the, the, the picture is like from behind, unexpectedly, right? You're walking down the street, you're, you're walking down the hallway in the Mall of America or something, and unexpectedly an enemy comes up behind you and pushes you hard. What's likely to happen? You're likely to end up face down, right, with a hard push. So he says, I was pushed hard by an enemy so that I was falling, I was on my way down, but what? But the Lord, and it's all caps there, so that's Yahweh, I am, but the Lord helped me. I don't know, you might be feeling legitimately like you've been pushed hard this morning and like you are falling and the pavement or whatever is coming. You don't know how you're gonna survive that impact or what it's gonna be like when it hits, when you hit know this, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. Call on his name, he will help you. If it's a practical need that you don't have any other resource for, call me, we will help you. Okay, God's not gonna let um, an unexpected uh, trauma, a, a hard push, take you out. He is with you to help. Now, this is verse 14 is especially for us in following here for a while. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So my question for you this morning is, uh, whenever you're listening to this, is has he become your salvation? That's, that's up to you. He's accomplished the cross for you. He's paid for your sins. He died the death you deserved. Then he conquered that death, rose from the grave. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He now offers you forgiveness, um, resurrection life, eternal life in heaven. He offers all those things to you, and they're gifts, gifts of his love for you. Have you received them? Have you unwrapped those gifts and said, Jesus, I need these. I'm desperate for these. You're the only one who can offer me this. 
you're my savior. Save me and walk with me. Be my helper all the way until the day you take me to heaven. Have you done that? Do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus? If so, then God and Jesus have become your salvation. But if you haven't received that, that gift and made it your own, then it still needs to happen yet. Let it happen today. Let today be the day. But I love it. He says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Now, that's interesting. That really hit me. We're, we're, we're used to glad songs of, of celebration and salvation in worship when we're a whole bunch of people together. Maybe not so used to it at home, <laughs> in our tents, uh, out, out camping in your tents. I tell you what. Let rip some glad songs of salvation wherever you're at. Uh, don't have to wait until Sunday mornings we're back together in person. Let her rip. And here's the song, here's what they're singing about. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. So again, three times repetition, three times what? The right hand. Who's at the right hand of God? It's Jesus himself. So the right hand of God, Jesus does valiantly. I, I looked up the definition of this because we know that valiant, when I hear valiant, I think of knights in shining armor and stuff like that from the Middle Ages, right? Why do we think that? Because the definition of valiant is heroic courage and determination. So as God the Father looked down on Good Friday and watched his son Jesus dying on the cross, taking all the sins of all the world for all time in his body, and dying with it on the cross to pay the penalty for us, taking God's righteous wrath for us on our, on, on our behalf. You suppose the father, what was he thinking of his son in those moments? Six hours Jesus was on the cross, six hours. What was the father thinking, feeling? Among his many thoughts and emotions was, my son is doing valiantly. He is heroic in courage. His determination is blessing me. He is accomplishing the unimaginable task I laid out for him. My son is valiant. The right hand of the Lord, the Lord is all caps. That means Yahweh. The right hand, Jesus at the right hand of God Almighty is doing valiantly. He won the, he won the battle. And so after verse 16, we really ought to say, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. He's done valiantly. Now, verse 17, I think, would be very precious to Jesus on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's true for you and I because of what Jesus accomplished, but here's what he says, verse 17. I shall not die, but I shall live. Can you imagine as Jesus is going out the garden, he knows the next morning he's going to be on the cross? And yet in the face of that, he can say this truthfully, powerfully, with valiant determination and courage, I shall not die. My body's going to give up its last breath on the cross, but that is not the last word for my body. My Father is going to resurrect it, give me a new perfect body that's going to last for all eternity. I shall not die in a way that death has the final word. I will live. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can make that declaration yourself over your life. 
I shall not die. There's a day they're going to stick me in the coffin or whatever. But that's this mortal body. The last breath this mortal body takes, it's going to segue into the first breath in the next life with the Lord. So Jesus gets to declare this in his own spirit on his way to the garden. I shall not die, but I shall live. What's he going to do with that life? That new life says, I'm going to recount the deeds of the Lord. I'm going to tell people the rest of eternity how amazing my God is. Now listen, verse 18 says, The Lord has disciplined me severely. Wow. That's true for Jesus on the cross. That's true for us sometimes in our lives. And we need to be disciplined. If we're really going in dangerous, sinful directions, God will he'll bring out the whooping stick, and it can be big. The Lord has disciplined me severely. You wonder if uh, the Lord is disciplining the entire planet right now. It's a possibility, a serious possibility for us to consider. I love this, though. He says, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. So even Jesus thinking of the cross, that's going to be a severe discipline, Lord. I know it's coming, but you're not going to give me over to death. I'm coming out of that tomb on Sunday morning. Now, this is for us, and for really for me, I feel like this is maybe the, the linchpin, the, the most important moment in this amazing psalm. The whole thing is powerful. Verse 19 says, open to me the gates of righteousness. See, the Jews would often sing this on their way up to uh, Jerusalem, too, for festivals and stuff. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. And give thanks to the Lord. Now the gates of what? The gates of righteousness. Am I, am I worthy to come into righteousness? Not in myself. I know I've got sin. I know I don't measure up. Well, he's going he's gonna to show us the answer. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. And then he goes from gates plural to gate singular. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. You know who the gate is that gives you righteousness and allows you to enter into God's presence? Jesus is that gate. How do I know that? Psalmist answers it. Keep going, verse 21. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone quoted by Jesus and others in the New Testament, that Jesus says, this psalm is about me. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. Who's the builders? The chief priests, the Sadducees, the, a lot of the Pharisees, they rejected Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the most important stone. Christ is risen. There's no other stone like him. There's no one who's ever accomplished that like him. This is the Lord's doing. Who did this? Who made Jesus the cornerstone? Who made him the most important human being to ever walk the planet? God did. This is the Lord's doing, Yahweh's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. It's unbelievable in our eyes. All these religious leaders said, this man is not the one. And God said, oh yeah? Yes, he is. And now that we, on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the empty tomb, we look back and we go, that's amazing. That's marvelous. We didn't get it, God. We didn't understand it in the moment, but wow. You paid for our sins. He died the death we deserved, and then you raised him from the grave so we could know he was victorious. That's marvelous. Hallelujah. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So we got a, a fun little ditty from the old days, one of the very first contemporary worship songs, right? It, and, we, and the kiddies sing it. This is the day, this is the... The day we're talking about is the day Christ rose from the tomb and made us able to come into the presence of God. Um, the stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone. That's the day we're talking about. It was an awesome day. Now, verse 25, it says, save us, we pray, O Lord. You know what that save us word is? We use it on Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Hosanna, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, Palm Sunday, they use this psalm to welcome Jesus into the capital. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. Yahweh is God. He has made his light to shine upon us. Bind, now check this out, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You say, what in the world is that about? When they had a big festival worship experience in Jerusalem, and they brought bulls and lambs up for sacrifice, there would be so many people and so many sacrificial animals that they would fill the whole complex with the animals. And so they're saying, uh, bind the festival sacrifice with cords. Don't let him run off and, and get lost in the shuffle. Have a rope on him, bind him, but bring him where? Up to the horns of the altar. Now, this is so bizarre. Folks, the cross ended up becoming an altar because that's where Jesus sacrificed himself for all of us. What, what cords bound Jesus to the altar of that sacrifice? I don't want to sound corny at all. Cords of love. His love for the Father loved him so much he was going to obey him even to the cross. Cords of love for you and me. That's what bound him to the altar of sacrifice. Say hallelujah. So it finishes the psalm. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. And then he finishes the, the last verse is the exact same as the first verse, so it's like bookends, right? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. He really is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Oh, glory. Glory to you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus, for um, recording this psalm for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for breathing it. We don't even know exactly for sure who the author is, but boy, is it breathed by your Holy Spirit, God. And this psalm, it's, it shows us things that Jesus was experiencing. It speaks to our own situation. But God, we are delighted this morning to know that our God is good, your love endures forever, and that you provided a cornerstone for us, your own son, Jesus Christ. Lots of people in the world who should have known better rejected him. But you said, no, he's the one. This is my son. Look what he did for you. We're looking, God. We're thankful this morning. We're lifting up our eyes to you, Lord. We're not going to let death or by COVID, coronavirus, or any other source, whatever that source is, we're not going to let death have that last word. We're declaring that I shall not die. I shall live. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he promises me in the Bible that he will bring me to new life along with him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. We give you glory now, God, in Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is number 299, He Lives. Christ is risen. Now receive the blessing from a resurrected king. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and keep you in his peace. How does he have the power to do that? He's alive from the grave. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.